go. Hey, wonderful people on the other side. My name is Zainab and I'm saying, hey, welcome to another episode of Food, People and Advertising. And on this podcast, we have with us the amazing and one and only Tunde Way. (laughs) (laughs) Popularly known on Instagram as From Lagos. He'll be sharing with us how to tell compelling food stories. Now, let me do a quick introduction, just in case you don't know him. Well, now you know, right? So, he's a Nigerian, born and raised in Nigeria anyways. And so, he lives in New Orleans. He's an artist, he's a chef, he's a writer who uses Nigerian food and dining spaces to interrogate systems of power, right? So, he has been featured on the New York Times, the Washington Post, GQ, Vogue, I mean, I could go on and on, on but Tunde Way isn't playing, right? Tunde, you're not playing, right? <laughs> I'm not playing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining our podcast. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm a little tired today because um, I've been doing the most, but uh, I'm well. I'm excited to, to chat with you. Excited you here too. I mean, it took me like a while to get you on this podcast, but I'm I'm really excited that you're finally oh, here. Calm, calm down. It didn't take you a while. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it sound like that was my fault. That was all you. No, 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 no. Like, no, you had things you were doing. Like, I understand and all of that, but I mean, like, I I, I always source for the best, you know. And when I found you, I was like, okay, I, I am definitely going to do everything possible to have you on this podcast. And hey. You're here today, so I don't know if I'm going to tell myself congratulations or we're just going to move on from here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually really curious, right? I mean, on Instagram, your handle is from legal. Like, why didn't you just go with Tunde Way or Chef Tunde? What's up with it from Lagos? Why from Lagos? Well, because that's where I'm from, or at least that's where I, that's where I lived until I moved to the, to the United States, and um, it was is also what I named my. I actually just named my my business, which was a restaurant. I named it um, Lagos, but I couldn't get the handle just Lagos, so I used from Lagos, and then you know my business account or handle just became my personal handle because there was no difference between me and the business so that's mm. that's where the handle came from mm. interesting i thought maybe there was something more mysterious to it than all of that that one is not mysterious enough huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i mean it makes you sound really intriguing and then when you say from lagos when you say from lagos and you're actually in new orleans i mean it's easy for anyone to connect with you. Like, this is our brother. Our brother in spiritual. Our brother in spiritual journey. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'm from. So that's 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 what it is. I, I have to, I mean, as a way to even remind myself, because sometimes you'll be out here and you forget who you are, you know? When you say forget who you are, uh, what, what, what do you mean? I mean, sometimes, you know, you have ideas of the kind of person you want to be or where you, or, or uh, sort of values that you want to uphold. But when those values are, are tested, 
you know, it's hard to remember, you know, so you need people around you to remind you of the values that you say you believe in and you need sometimes Instagram handles to remind you too. So that's what I mean. So um, I'm just wondering, so why do you use, I mean, you have conversations about disparity and racism and all of that over food and I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, don't you think that could like result to an issue in your restaurant? Like everybody going crazy and then you have everybody fighting because then you're talking about disparity, you're talking about racism over food. Like, okay, so in my head I'm like, well, food brings people together, you know, but hey, racism, seriously. <laughs> Well, first of all, I don't have a restaurant, but even if, well, not, I don't have a restaurant anymore, but even if I did, I, you know, I wouldn't, um, that wouldn't stop me from having these conversations. Um, I think the thing with anything, right? Like, have you ever, have you ever thought you were drinking, say, Sprite, and then you find out that it's water? Does that has that ever uh, happened to you? Yes, my mom. This time around, it wasn't even sprites. It was something oh. funny she put inside. She wanted me to drink it. It was really cold. <laughs> so there's there's nothing wrong with water by itself, right? But mm-hmm. when when you're expecting to drink water and you drink water, it's fine. When you're expecting to drink sprite, and then somebody substitutes that with water, then it's a problem. Right, you like your whole mouth is, you know, um, puckers up because you're expecting something sweet and and you don't get that. So the point that I'm, I'm making is, with any restaurant, whether you're talking about racism or you're talking about or you're serving Nigerian food, if you set the expectations for um, the the diner, then you're halfway you're halfway there. You know, folks who are coming to my to the spaces that I create to eat and talk about race aren't surprised about what's going to happen. You know, it's not like I promised them Chinese food and then I, I'm talking about race. You know, I, I, they know why why they're there. And so that expectation mitigates any of that, you know, tumult or confusion that you're talking about. So, I mean, there have been times and there are times where, you know, in a dinner, you know, it gets tense and it gets uncomfortable. But it's still within it's still within the, the confines of what is expected. So it never goes too crazy. Mm, interesting. So it means that people leave your your dining space with an experience, with a story. Oh yeah, most definitely. <laughs> they live with they, they they leave with something, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And and um um that's actually really interesting because um, today we're, we're supposed to be talking about how you can create um, compelling food stories, you know. Right. So, um, I mean, um, do you know Seth Gordon? And I'm hoping that one day I can get him on my podcast. That's what's up. So, <laughs> he wrote a book um, that says, um, um, All Marketers Tell Stories. Mm-hmm. Right? And one of the things I really find intriguing um, at the beginning of the book was where he said, um, many things are true, are true because you believe them. 
So he says, you believe things that aren't true. First of all, he said, you believe things that aren't true, or better said, many things are true because you believe them. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what he's trying to say is that things are true um, according to your worldview, according to things that align with your own perspective, right? right? And um, one of the things that um, I find these days is that um, a lot of food brands, um, they have a challenge of actually being unique, of standing out in the marketplace because most of them, even though they say we're just we're doing Chinese, we're doing Italian, we're doing Asian, there isn't really that distinguishing um, factor, right? right? And so I've come to realize that over the years that storytelling is a really is a really really powerful tool that can help you distinguish you from the rest of the crowd. So I mean. You tell, I mean, I mean, like, obviously, like, look at what you're doing, you know, with your food space, and then you're talking about disparity and racism and everything. Now, you have created a niche for yourself. So if people want to listen to such stories and go away with um, experiences of, of such experiences, they come to you. So how do people, how do, how do food brands, how do food brands tell these compelling stories, you know? yeah so i don't know what you mean by food brands if you're talking about chefs um i would say i have there's this rapper that i that i like he's he's, he's deceased now his name is um nipsey hustle and in an interview he was asked that he was asked a question uh he was asked how, uh, what what advice do you have for up-and-coming uh, rappers and he said that find out who you are know who that person is and live and die by that and that's what i believe i believe that i i don't necessarily believe in being strategic and having a brand mission or all that shit you know you, you know who you are and then you just be that person all the time you know if you're if you're if who you think you are is quiet and reserved, then be that person. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to perform. You know, you can be that person. If you're, if you're, if who you are is loud and, and, and uh, rambunctious, be that person too. The, the, the truth is that whoever you are is always going to be um, some sort of struggle. You're always going to have to, advocate for yourself over and over again you're, you're always going to have to remind yourself about who you are and i think that's the story that you want to tell just be yourself don't try and be anybody else don't try and do anything else that you can't do you can't if you don't have the power to do i mean you you, you don't have the power to be any, anybody else but yourself so that's i mean that's the marketing that i believe in you know if you you know be you just do you you know but it i think it takes time to find out who you are and it's okay in the time that you're finding out to experiment and, and to try um, different things. But when you when you have a, a, a stronger understanding of who you are, then just abide by that and, and continue to do that. And the, the, the truth is that we're always learning about who we are every day. So it's, it's also like an ongoing process. But yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the key. If you want to call it branding or marketing or storytelling, it's just be yourself and just stick to that shit, you know? 
so being yourself is a unique selling proposition. I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna put it in that in that framework, I don't think of it. I don't think of it in in that way, um, because for example, I'm not. Actually, I was telling myself this today, and this is another thing that I have to remind myself about: is that I can't. I don't. I'm not focused on selling anybody anything. I'm not focused on making money. I want to make money. I need to make money so I can survive. But that's not my concern. So because that's not my initial concern, I don't. I'm not interested in like, oh, what's the what's the unique selling point, and how can I leverage this to gain a greater. Uh, a market share. I don't think about that. I just think about what do I want to say in this moment? How best can I say it? And if the way I say it brings uh, money, fine. If it doesn't bring money, fine. Uh, I, but I have faith that the work that I'm doing, because I know it's valuable and important to me, it will eventually create some sort of monetary value that I can benefit from. So I don't use that kind of business language about who I am as a person on my work. You know, my work isn't, it's not a commodity. It can't be monetized in that way. So I'm just speaking for myself. You know, if you have a, a, a business, you know, and you have a different perspective, then by all means, you know, like I said before, do you, this is who I am. You know, my, my stuff is, is about, is, is more focused on what I'm trying to say and the message that I'm, that I'm trying to, um, to issue, yeah, then it is about how much I can make or what sort of uh, unique selling point that I have, you know. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, you'll probably, you'll probably be this. So, <laughs> he wrote a book um, that says um, um, all marketers tell stories. Mm-hmm. Right? And one of the things I really find intriguing um, at the beginning of the book was where he said, um, many things are true, are true because you believe them. Mm-hmm. So he says, you believe things that aren't true. First of all, he said, you believe things that aren't true, or better said, many things are true because you believe them. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what he's trying to say is that things are true um, according to your worldview, according to things that align with your own perspective, right? right? And um, one of the things that um, I find these days is that um, a lot of food brands, um, they have a challenge of actually being unique, of standing out in the marketplace because most of them, even though they say we're just, we're doing Chinese, we're doing Italian, we're doing Asian, there isn't really that distinguishing um, factor right? right and so i've come to realize that over the years that storytelling is a really is a really really powerful tool that can help you distinguish you from the rest of the crowd so i mean you tell i mean i mean like obviously like look at what you're doing you know with your food space and then you're talking about disparity and racism and everything now you have created a niche for yourself so if people want to listen to such stories and go away with um, experiences of, of such experiences that come to you. So how do people, how do, how do food brands, how do food brands tell this compelling story, you know? <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Yeah, so I don't know what you mean by food brands. If you're talking about chefs, um, I would say I have there's this rapper that I that I like. He's 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 deceased now. His name is um, Nipsey Hussle. And in an interview, he was asked that he was asked a question. Uh, he was asked, how, uh, "What what advice do you have for up and coming um, rappers?" And he said that find out who you are know who that person is and live and die by that. And that's what I believe. I believe that I, I don't necessarily believe in being strategic and having a brand mission or all that shit. You know, you, you know who you are and then you just be that person all the time. You know, if you're, if you're, if who you think you are is quiet and reserved, then be that person. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to perform. You know, you can be that person. If you're, if you're, if who you are is loud and, and, and uh, rambunctious, be that person too. The, the, the truth is that whoever you are is always going to be um, some sort of struggle. You're always going to have to advocate for yourself over and over again. You're, you're always going to have to remind yourself about who you are. And I think that's the story that you want to tell. Just be yourself. Don't try and be anybody else. Don't try and do anything else that you can't do. You can't, if you don't have the power to do, I mean, you, you, you don't have the power to be any, anybody else but yourself. So that's, I mean, that's the marketing that I believe in. You know, if you, you know, be you, just do you, you know, but it, I think it takes time to find out who you are and it's okay in the time that you're finding out to experiment and, and to try um, different things, but when you when you have a, a a strong understanding of who you are, then just abide by that and and continue to do that. And the, the, the truth is that we're always learning about who we are every day. So it's it's also like an ongoing process. But yeah, that's the I mean that's the key. If you want to call it branding or marketing or storytelling, it's just be yourself and just stick to that shit. You know. So being yourself is a unique selling proposition. I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna put it in that in that framework, I don't think of it. I don't think of it in in that way, um, because for example, I'm not. Actually, I was telling myself this today, and this is another thing that I have to remind myself about: is that I can't. I don't. I'm not focused on selling anybody anything. I'm not focused on making money. I want to make money. I need to make money so I can survive. But that's not my concern. So because that's not my initial concern, I don't. I'm not interested in like, oh, what's the what's the unique selling point, and how can I leverage this to gain a greater uh, a market share? I don't think about that. I just think about what do I want to say in this moment? How best can I say it? And if the way I say it brings uh, money fine if it doesn't bring money fine uh, I, but I have faith that the work that I'm doing because I know it's valuable and important to me it will eventually create some sort of monetary value that I can benefit from so I don't use that kind of business language about who I am as a person or my work you know my work isn't it's not a commodity it can't be monetized in that way so I'm just speaking for myself, you know, if you have a, a, a business, you know, and you have a different perspective, then by all means, 
you know, like I said before, do you. This is who I am. You know, my, my stuff is, is about, is, is more focused on what I'm trying to say and the message that I'm, that I'm trying to, um, to issue, yeah, than it is about how much I can make or what sort of uh, unique selling point that I have, you know? Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, you'll probably, you'll probably be the first. You know, you probably I'll be, what? be the first. I said you probably be the first. First what? You probably be the first person who's saying um, you're more concerned about your work than it is um, than being concerned about um, um, the, the monetary um, value. Yeah, you know? um, I don't. I don't think I'm. I'm the first. I mean, if you think about, if you listen to any. Uh, popular singer or whatever, they all say the same thing. They were all like, I was hustling. People told me that this wasn't going to work, but I just I just stuck to it. I didn't care about the money. I just f- focused on the music. And now they've, you know, they made it, you know? So I, I'm not, it's not a special way of being. I think a lot of people, a lot of people think that way or want to think that way, but we're not, but we're afraid. And we should be afraid because if you, shit, if you can't pay your, pay your rent or you can't pay your bills, it's, it's stressful. You know, but the thing about the thing that I tell, like I tell my siblings, as an example, is why are you worrying about money? You know, before you worried ab- about money, you didn't have the money that you that you were worrying about. When you worry about money, you're you're not gonna have the money that you are worrying about. So just like focus on the experience, because the worrying or the strategizing doesn't bring the money. If if you could say that, you know, strategizing in one specific way guaranteed money, then I'd be like, okay, you, you have a point. S- strategize in that direction. But there is, no, there is no guarantee that your worrying or strategy is going to bring the money. But there's every guarantee that if you focus on, your, on the experience and the message that you're trying to say, or rather you focus on being yourself, that you're going to find some, some sort of peace and, and fulfillment. So just do that. You know, you're, you're still going to be you're still going to be stressed whether you're focusing on peace or you're focusing on money, but one of them is guaranteed to bring you peace. The other is not. So, I mean, that's, again, this is my perspective. Uh, if people want to focus on money, I, I, I don't think there's a necessarily a problem with that. Um, it, it could be a problem, but I don't think there's a problem with that. If you think that's who you are and you're interested in, 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 in business and creating models of businesses that 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 are profit driven fine that's you do you and that that goes back to the whole point just be yourself but don't think that you have to worry about money um to to make it um again let me just say this i'm not saying like you know you shouldn't take care of your business you know because you can't Mm -hmm. you can there, there, there are consequences to all the choices that we make you know Mm-hmm. So that so you have to balance that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm talking about that, and uh, you know, there are consequences that I have to balance. Like, you know, oftentimes I'm not quite sure uh, what my financial situation is going to be, but I'm fine with that. You know, I live my life is, I try to live my life in a way that I don't need more than I than I than I want. Right? I don't have a car, uh, for example. Uh, I don't, what else don't I have? Um, I don't really, I don't care about like electronics. I don't have a television. 
uh, but the things that I want and the things that I that I that I feel that that help me be the best be the best person or help me um, create spaces to create, I I have those things. So I'm just saying that they are trade offs that you have to make. Mm. Mm. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Like I probably need to digest a lot of things you oh, said. Yeah, swallow it. And. <laughs> as well as as well as every other person that is listening to this podcast right now so um okay so for those who are actually interested in um i mean you've said a lot of things right um so um like the like the um the documentary you did which was really really fantastic by the way you did a really great job um so um it's how 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 do you go about it if you have um you're on a low budget basically how do you go what 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 are what are the things you would need to do to um produce such documentary as you have done i mean i don't know how you do with a low budget i'll just tell you how i do the work that i do all the time is i just do it like um i've been trying to shoot different kinds of um film for a while and it hasn't quite uh, worked out so so the documentary that you see is you know is is the combination of you know five six years of trying attempting and each time that i tried and attempted felt like it was the time that i was going to make it so it, it wasn't like those moments before this documentary weren't useless you know they were real and they were all uh, um fruitful but they didn't produce a documentary like the one that I have now. And I say that because, mm-hmm. um, again, you have to keep going. You can't wait for anybody um, to, to or, or you can, if you want to, you, you, is, you're just going to, um, you're, you're just going to have to wait, right? If you're, if you're depending on somebody else, you're just going to have to wait until that person is ready. Uh, also, if you're, if you're waiting for money to do something, you're, you're just going to have to wait till you get the money. But I feel like everybody has everything that they need to eventually get where they're trying to go. So again, don't focus on the money. Just focus on um, on starting the work. And I'll be I'll be very specific. The the documentary that that we shot, I didn't spend. Maybe I spent um, two hundred dollars to buy a plane ticket to travel to San Francisco so that we can film some stuff and I, you know, I spent some money on food. And if your listeners are in Nigeria, you know, $200 is a lot of money. Um, Mm -hmm. But don't think of... That's like almost 100K. Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) but the way $200 is different. I think you can... $200 to me is probably like $20,000 to you. That's that's the same equivalence. You know, I'm not talking about the actual exchange rates but I'm talking about like mm-hmm. that's how much that's that that's that's sort of what you, you should think about, um, and the the way I was able to shoot the documentary was I just found people who shared my vision. That was it. And the, the person Theo, my um, um, production partner, basically shared my vision, and we we wrote we co-wrote the episode together. Um, he 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 filmed it. He made um the edits based on 
the notes that I gave. Um, I did the interviews. I wrote the interviews, you know. So <clears throat> it was possible because I kept true to the work that I wanted to do. And then he was, he mm-hmm. was attracted to that work. And uh, we've slowly built a community of people who um, the work appeals to. And now we're, we're trying to, to, to do it bigger. So my point is you don't need money to do what you want to do, which isn't to say that you can like wake up one morning and decide to shoot like a hundred million dollar movie. You can't because mm-hmm. you don't have that money, but maybe you can shoot something on your phone, you know, um, or may- maybe you can just shoot something on your phone long enough until, um, until you get the attention of somebody else who's willing to, 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 to partner with you. I think this is a story of success like all the time. Uh, and not to say that mm-hmm. I'm I'm successful in any sort of grand way. I'm just saying that any, any oh, I just think it just be humble. No, no, I'm, but I, I I'm keeping it real. Any any achievement you know comes with first putting yourself out there. Right. Unless you're it doesn't DJ copy or, or someone or someone like that or David Doe or somebody who's born with money. But even those people had to like they had to they had to do more with less at the beginning, and so. That's just what everybody has to do. Don't don't wait for money, man. Just go and and and, and get it. Mm, amazing. Wow. I mean, this is this is actually one of the reasons why I wanted wanted to get you on the podcast because I was certain that I was going to hear things from a different perspective. And well done, well done, chef. <laughs> Even though you don't like being called chef. I don't know why you don't like being called chef. I didn't go to school I like mean, you now. I remember when I, I remember when I reached out to you and I was like, "Hi, chef," and you're like, "Please, Tunde, Tunde is just fine." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> like I said before, you're going to be the first because every other person preferred me calling them chef. I was like, "Okay, let's see how this thing goes." He's saying, "No, chef, just Tunde." Although I felt I felt a little bit uncomfortable because I've been used to calling everybody chef, chef, yes, chef, no chef move down chef and all of that and then i got to you and you're like tunis just fine so your humility is um is humbling <laughs> but thank god i'm not humble though don't let me, don't let me... that's what you would say <laughs> <laughs> what would you say before let me let me also say something though that that is important to say like I was thinking about you know just today I was thinking about like my family and because most of my family lives in Nigeria so my immediate family my my, my two siblings live in Nigeria but uh, and both my parents are there I live here with my brother and I was thinking about how difficult it is to, to live in Nigeria and oh my goodness yeah but hmm. you know so oh, oh. so I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I don't believe at all in this idea that if you work hard enough, you can make it. It's not true, you know? So mm. what I'm talking about by, by doing things you want, you know, I'm talking about a personal fulfillment that may never come with money. That's just the truth, right? If you, if you live in Nigeria and you're part of like folks who have to go to work every day uh, to mm-hmm. make money, you, ca- you can't become Dangote. It's not possible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not. If you look at any, yeah. if you look at anybody who's rich in Nigeria right now, 
or most of the people who are rich in Nigeria, um, like the political elite, those people have been in power since 1960, you know, in mm-hmm. one way or the other, right? So they've been like accumulating money for that long. Dangote was able to, Dangote came from a wealthy family, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Tony Elumelu, I don't know how you pronounce his name, but you know he was. Elumelu. Yeah, he was. He was working at um, at African or Afri, which is the African bank. What's the bank called? UBA. Uh, UBA. Yeah, he he was able to he was able to get to UVA by you know by leveraging buyouts and all all of this. He was lucky. He was in a, it was he was in a lucky place. And he also took advantage of you know these of you know global capitalist um, trends, you know, that affected the country negatively. So, so, so for example, um, in the 70s, the 80s, you know, Nigeria went through, uh, and, and the 90s, really, Nigeria went through uh, this structural uh, adjustment program. Do you know that, SAP? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. And that really decimated the uh, um, the economy right so for because nigeria was in debt to pay back the debt you know um creditors said they had to go through this austerity period um and what that looked like included like opening up the market so more imports into the country which killed local businesses because you know mm-hmm. if you are if you are sowing a plot in your own in your own little business and Clothes are coming from Bangladesh. Secondhand clothes are, are coming from the U.S. You can't compete with that. You know, you can't compete with with, with cheap shoes um, um, flooding the market. Anyway, my point True. to connect Tony Elumelu to this is that, you know, that that period of of economic um, liberalization was also a point where a lot of people made money. Where there were there were people where the, the the government was privatizing industry, um, deregulating banks and all that shit, right? That's where people made money. And so we have, a lot, a lot of Nigerians have um, this idea that if they only work hard enough or they, if they make one big deal that they, that they can make it, it is not possible. It is not, it, it is just not possible. And so I'm not trying to sell anybody any fairy tale. Like to be in Nigeria and to live in Nigeria is to be the victim of, of global capitalism right now. And that's a fact. Mm. And so I think mm. all we can do is, is, is do things that, that um, fulfill us you know, emotionally and spiritually and then do our best to take care of each other financially. You know, um, this, we can't all, I mean, not, not even we can't all, very few of us are going to be entrepreneurs who make billions of naira or millions of naira and drive fancy cars that's not the lot for a, a lot of us so I, I think we need to start thinking differently about what's possible and do you, do you think leaving nigeria to america would actually give you the the american dream you know people make it seem like when you leave nigeria and you go to america everything just becomes cool like yeah. You're in for the big thing. I mean, it really like that. no, it doesn't, man. I mean, everybody who I know, I, I have a, I have a friend. Um, we went to high school together in Nigeria. We both left um, 
Nigeria, I think around the same time. And he has like a, an amazing job. He works for one of these, one of the big four accounting firms. He probably makes anywhere between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars uh, a year. Um, but, and he drives like a really nice car. He drives like a Mercedes Benz. Like, you know, there's like really expensive cars. I don't, mm-hmm. I make like 40, I make on a, in a good year, I make $40,000 in a year, you know, good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he, he told me the same thing. He's like, yo man, this corporate grind is ridiculous, bro. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to bounce. He's ready to leave and go back home to Nigeria because the, the stress that comes with making that kind of money is, is like too much, you know, uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's working for somebody. He doesn't control his time. He's traveling all the time. And I, I know that sounds exciting. And, and, mm-hmm. for some, and for some people, it might be. But my point is, if you're, if you, even if you're on that high end, this is somebody who's making, who is like in the top ten percent um, in in the United States, and he's still complaining because uh, it's hard. You know, a, a lot of people don't even get there. A lot of people probably are like me, make fifty, sixty, or less, but they have all these bills, all these um, responsibilities. You have to be constantly in the rat race, you know, like a like a rat on this wheel. You know, go to work, come back, pay your bills. Go to work, come back, pay your bills. I'm sure the same thing is in Nigeria. So, America isn't mm-hmm. any different. I mean, the big the biggest difference in America is, between America and Nigeria, from my perspective, is the infrastructure, which is a huge difference. Which that like, you have light all the time, if you can mm-hmm. afford to have light, because some some people here can't 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 pay for light. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you have, you know, the internet, you have that, if you can afford it, um, you can, um, the, you know, there's general, there's generally, uh, a rule of law, you know, um, but, but all, all of those things too are, are also, um, complicated, you know, aren't they, I mean, they're killing, they're killing black folks out here, you know, and Nigerians are black. So there's a Nigerian woman who, who works at Facebook and she's she, she's she's um, probably the vice president of something at Facebook. So she's she's pretty well connected there. Her brother was killed by the police, um, I think last year or two years ago. Um, he was shot. Wow. He was shot by the police. So there there isn't there isn't any there's no um, there's no uh, uh, golden. There are no golden streets here, but but to be honest, you know, living here is it's definitely much more comfortable than living in Nigeria. You'd rather be broke here than broken than broke in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. I mean, I mean, Kinjay, thank you very much because we've we've moved. <laughs> it seems like we've moved. We've moved away from like we've touched a lot of things here apart from telling compelling stories. Like we've touched on we've touched on um, fulfillment emotionally and spiritually. We've talked we've touched on politics, you know, we've touched on storytelling, we've talked on your happiness, you know, we've talked on you being you, you know, you you being you as um a brand, you know. A brand or not, because I mean you came from two different perspectives, and, and that's absolutely fine. So, I mean, it's been amazing. 
I mean, it's been amazing and it's been eye-opening for me. Especially the travel to the American part. Because my mom is always is of the opinion that you go to America, everything is going to be all right. It's a matter of fact, if she can get me out of this country today, now, 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 now. <laughs> you should come. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not trying to play, downplay America, you know. For example, healthcare. I, I, I worry about my parents. If, if something happened to them, how would they have access to quality healthcare consistently? Like that's huge. Mm. You can get that here in a, in a, in a, in America. I mean, it's not cheap. Um, but if you're a, a, a U.S. citizen, there are different programs that that uh, um, you can apply for. I'm not quite sure what the emergency um, medical response situation is. I mean, if you have ambulances and how quickly they can go to uh, an yeah, emergency we, we medical. Yeah, we have ambulances. We have ambulances, but trust me. Trust me, they're, they're not, they're, there isn't anything like quick response. Yeah. So. Even police death. Right. So I'm not saying, so I'm not saying that America isn't great. It is great. It's amazing. Everybody who, who, who can come should be here. But it's not, this is not going to solve your problems at all. It's just going to make things easier than they were, but you're still going to have problems. And the other thing that I, I, was, I just want to say before we end is that America is great at the expense of Nigeria, you know, that's, that's mm. important to know that the, the, the difference between America and Nigeria isn't because Nigerians are more corrupt or Nigerians are more inept than the Americans. It's just that Americans created a system that benefits them. And that system mm. is one that is extractive and takes from Nigeria to benefit the, the, the United States. So that's why I feel like everybody in the world deserves the sort of quality of life that Americans have because Americans and, and Europeans have that quality of life at the expense of Africa and, and, and Latin America and other places like that. Wow. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Tinde. I really appreciate your contribution to this podcast. I hope that Sometime later in the future, we could also have you on on some other interesting topics as well. Sounds good. What do you say? What do you say? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to record this part and send it to you any day today. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do this right now. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All right, guys. And so we have come to the end of this episode. Do not forget to subscribe to Food, People, and Advertising. And we'll see you again. Bye-bye. Bye.